If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello everybody, Andy Burt here. Welcome along to episode 62 of the Early Excellence Podcast. This week, I'm delighted to say that we're joined by Dr. Helen Williams. Now, Helen is an independent consultant who specializes in early mathematics. She's a member of the Early Childhood Mathematics Group, the British Society for Research into Learning Mathematics, and also the Association of Teachers of Mathematics. Helen's book, Playful Mathematics for Children Aged 3 to 7, was published by SAGE in March 2022 and won the Nursery World Professional Book of the Year Award. So here you go. Here's my Early Excellence podcast chat with Dr. Helen Williams. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Helen. Um, Helen, of course, you're going to be talking to us all about your book, um, Playful Mathematics, Three to Seven Years of Age. So we're going to really get into that. Before we get into talking about that, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Would that be all right? Yes, I can do that. Um, I I live and work. I live in the southwest of England. I work all over the place. I'm sort of semi-retiring. My, my role for the last 20 years has been as freelance consultant, which I have loved doing. Um, I retired from school in about five years ago, four years ago. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been doing since then. So I was like part-time in school and um, part-time education consultant. Um, I started off as a reception teacher in 19... 1980 before that I was a year three teacher for a year before that so I've been in and out of the advisory service for county for the county and then finally I went freelance so yeah is, is that enough I mean that's oh, kind of absolutely. Yeah, no, that's really interesting yeah yeah absolutely yeah and, and and it's a very different world of course isn't it that's supporting supporting schools and settings um rather than kind of being focused on your work within one particular classroom but then of course at the same time you you've built up all of that experience haven't you to be able to then be able to support and to be able to guide people which is is really valuable yeah, I, mean, I do. I miss, I have missed having my own class, and at, and at times, I have had my own class for periods of time. I've covered, I've covered people that have been off sick or maternity leave or something or whatever it is, some injury usually, and so, and that has been lovely. And um, yeah, so yeah, it's a really rich role, and I'm, I really um, am very mindful of the fact I'm very lucky to have seen lots of different settings and lots of different schools and met lots of different children and adults. It's really helped me grow as as an educator. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think when you visit different settings as well and and support different people, you realise how much you know. I know it sounds like an odd thing and how much you know how much you you don't realise how much you it's a bit like when you know when you've been teaching in one school for a while and say you've been teaching there for say three or four years and you still feel like you're the new member of staff and then a new member of the team joins and you're the person who explains to them what we do and how we do it and all of the things about it. And you suddenly realise that within those few years, you you really have grown. And it's a bit like that, you know, supporting people who perhaps might be new to teaching, you suddenly realise how much you do know about it, I guess. Yeah, and, and also how much there is always to learn. I mean, I, I'm always learning something. 
And so I think, you know, if you can remain open to that, it's a really lovely life. It is, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's a real privilege, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in terms, tell us, we're, we're going to be talking, of course, specifically about mathematics and about your book around mathematics. Um, it's always interesting to me whenever I talk to somebody who, who like yourself, is is specifically interested in in mathematics and has that real real interest in maths, to talk about actually what was the starting point for that. Um, the reason that I say that is that, you know, I've talked to a number of different people who really specialise in mathematics and particularly in terms of early years mathematics. Um, the starting point for it is always quite interesting, I think. You know, so, for example, I talked to Jude Twani on the podcast um, just last year and she was talking about how for her mathematics at school was a really miserable experience you know she, she it really affected her confidence she didn't really feel like somebody who could do mathematics if you like and and it was only sort of later on as an I think as an early years teacher that actually she started to see mathematics in a different way and I and so I, I thought we'd start off with that what's your if you don't mind me asking what's your relationship with mathematics like well, it, it, it's it's okay now-ish, um, but yes, uh, like Jude, I had a really negative maths experience at school, and I can't really remember much about primary school. I remember a, a chalkboard with an awful lot of arithmetic on it, but it was secondary school where I think it 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 really hit me that. Um, that, that oh, yeah I didn't feel any affinity to it at all and I struggled I struggled to get my O level as it was then um, I had to have a personal tutor to sort of help me through it um, and I just couldn't wait to get shot of it um, so I then you know when I, I then went to university did a sociology degree actually and then I went on to do a PGCE and uh, specialised in in um, uh, three to eight year olds, and of course it, it, it's different when you start doing something with a child, with a child. And when I had my first class, that was year three, a year three class in Wiltshire somewhere. Um, there was a real, there was a moment where I will never forget it. And this, I had this little um, this little lad and I, and we were we were doing taking away and uh, with some Unifix cubes, and I was. Um, I kept him in to do some more of it because I thought he doesn't get it. So I'll keep him in at playtime and we'll have, we'll really hammer it. Uh, this is my first term of teaching. I'm just, this is my apology for it. And um, I, I kept him in and we got to the end. I could hear the bell go and I thought, oh, crikey. You know, so I said, look, what have I got here? What have I got here, Adrian? I still remember. I can see him. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, you, have you got tubes? And I thought, yeah, I've got tubes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, a, you know, one of those moments, I think, I can't think which educator calls it as a critical moment in your career where you it, things shift for you. And I thought, I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing that again. And um, at um, when I was at doing my PGC, which was at Reading, um, there was a really quite, I think, an innovative maths tutor there. But I didn't get it because it didn't feel like the maths I had experienced. And so we were playing around with shapes. And, and I was like, I don't know what this has got to do with maths. You know, I really didn't get it. But then I began to, uh, I, I, the two sort of started started joining up a little bit. And there was an amazing program on um, ITV, uh, channel ITV in the 1980s called Leapfrogs. Um, and it was... Um, if you Google it, I think there's some stuff on YouTube. It looks pretty ancient, but it was so remarkable to me. And my class and I used to watch this and it was all about exploring mathematical ideas. And we used to watch it together. 
and then have a go. And there was a book, which I've still got the handbook. It's very precious to me, which is written all over, annotated and stuff. We used to try some things out together. And it was, um, so I think that was the first time I was actually acting mathematically as, as an adult at all, with my class, alongside my class. And that sort of alongside the other stuff that I was sort of teaching. Um, and then I moved to Cornwall and, you know, little ch- young children, I had younger children, you're thinking, what sense are they making of this? You know, um, so I think you do start um, and you start thinking, actually, this is interesting. What is interesting here is what sense are they making at it? How am I providing that? Um, how am I providing that so it means something to them and we can actually move move the learning forward? And I was very lucky that one of the um, advisors in the area belonged to the Association of Teachers of Mathematics, who I have been an active member of that association for over 40 years now. Um, He encouraged me to go to a group where we started talking. We bought experiences from our learners and talked about it. And I I started learning about what it was like to um, to be a real learner of mathematics myself and help my children be effective learners and that has you know that those that association working with young children and working with adults through that wonderful association um has has helped me yeah 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 no it's interesting i think what 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 is really interesting in what you were just saying is is that is that i think the relationship changes to a certain extent in that the the first example that you gave of you working with with Adrian with the with the cubes was was kind of very much a kind of you're getting Adrian to do this kind of thing you know this is a directed task Adrian I want you to do this through playtime and we're going to do it until we've got it sorted kind of thing and then the kind of later on you what you were I think alluding to was that idea that actually this is a, about a relationship where we're exploring together that you were finding it interesting and the children were finding it interesting and we're exploring together that kind of relationship kind of part of it it strikes me it was a different thing going there's something different at the end of what you were just saying to what to uh, to what teaching was at the beginning of what you were oh oh oh, yes it's changed um, fundamentally I mean I didn't know it at the time uh, when I was teaching leapfrogs with those children, but I think when I, I now I can articulate it that I think that fundamental at the, at the heart of this is the business of having a the relationships is at the heart of it. My relationship with the children, my relationship with the mathematics, my the children's relationship with the mathematics. Those three things together have to be working positively and but I couldn't have articulated that then I was just sort of on the side having a little go at this because I was liking it. It felt creative and. You know, I did art at A level, and um, so I was, I was like, "This feels like something I recognise." You know, and I, and I, we're in control of it. We we have agency. So, um, but I couldn't have articulated that then. No, no, definitely. That was really interesting. Okay, so let's let's. So, having then talked about that relationship with mathematics, you've then, of course, then supported schools in all kinds of ways you you you've developed that that real interest that real passion in mathematics and and that that real expertise in mathematics and you have written a book which is called playful mathematics from three to seven years of age playful mathematics why playful mathematics first of all <laughs> so um yes it's an interesting title <laughs> play is just play as a word oh my Gosh, so when I, I when I did my PhD, which I completed in 2014, I was looking at role play 
and mathematics because the school I was working in had two classrooms where that was look was I looked very effective in terms of how the children were operating mathematically. So I had to do all this read up on play from, I mean, I'd obviously, I'd had some input during my PGCE, but obviously I went down a rabbit hole. Of, of, and I thought, oh, do you know what? I, I um, people have got really strong feelings about it. Um, and um, so I, I think, I, I mean, I see play as a, as, as a continuum uh, actually. And um so there's play where it's completely free and, you know, a child led, child chosen. But I, I do honestly believe that, that there is there is a way that we can be as adults playful with material that makes contact with children and gets that enjoyment that children get when when they're playing. And so it's play. It was me about me being playful. Uh, with the mathematics so just just leaving a bit not not driving it into them like I was trying to do with Adrian and his his excuse um you know and also allowing the children to play with the mathematics now I really do I am certain that if if I am behaving mathematically there has to be an element of play and or uh, you might want to call it exploration with what I'm doing so and I've done quite a lot of work over the years with Mike Ollerton, who's a secondary, very experienced secondary teacher. And we've run sessions together where we've looked at some mathematics playfully that would that with, with starters there for three year olds up to adults, 18 and beyond. And it, at the heart of it all is 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 getting this getting uh getting a situation going where the whatever the age of the learner is is able to explore the area or be playful with the with that area that we're working on a little bit because because that's the only way we're going to get um children asking questions and begin to think mathematically so that's Mm. why that's why yeah yeah definitely no that makes a lot of sense i think it's interesting isn't it that 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 playful nature isn't isn't about whether something is is kind of teacher led or child led in a, in a way both could be playful couldn't they you know that it's how you introduce it yeah. isn't it you know that actually, how I behave and how I behave yeah and how I behave after I've introduced it because that's yes. the thing yeah, and the possibilities of it yeah. really you know the, the open ended nature of it make it potentially more playful yes. i guess and uh, I thought not... there's a lovely quote. I mean, Marion Bird wrote a lovely book in 1991 um, on maths, which comes out of her PhD. And in it, she talks about planning for foreseen possibilities. And that as a, an adult, that's what she does. And I just love that, that idea of, well, it might do this, or we might do that, or it might go here. Um, that idea of, you know, that, that idea of foreseen possibilities. And um, since I am... Um, since I wrote the book, there's been a really lovely article uh, by um, Skeen and her colleagues, and where it's a meta study of play, um, which was produced in 2022. So it, it, it looks it looks at whether play can enhance children's learning, you know, in an educational context, and looks at what's effective. And they look at play as a continuum, and they talk about guided play as part as being a very effective. Um, area for teaching and learning 
but the guided play, the element of guided play that is that, that, that is really important is that, is that the child has agency within that and controls it. Even if I've introduced it as an adult, the child still has, is you, you allow the child to control it. So it's that feeling of, I think, of moving in and out with the child. Yes. Yeah, 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 definitely. No, I get that. I, I think sometimes we get very hung up on whether something is, whether it's adult-led or child-led. When actually, you know, both could be very effective. And as long as we, as long as it's not, we're not spending too long at kind of either end of a very, you know, the very broad spectrum and that we actually mix it, mix it up a bit. Then actually, if you've taught something really well in an adult directed way and you've really thrown yourself into it and you've made it playful. And if you've done it so well, actually children will continue it in a playful way. They will carry on with it after you've, after you're not there, perhaps they will carry on with it. In the same way that actually children can start something in a child initiated way and the adult can engage with it and take it into something that might become a bit more directed or from the adult and, and then back again. It, I, so I, I think sometimes we get a bit caught up with that. I think I think it, we're much too caught up with it. I think that it's more important to focus on at which point within this episode am I in and which point am I stepping back a little bit and that feeling of moving in and out within an episode rather than thinking right this is my teaching group yes definitely (laughs) you know it's it's my role in that episode and I've tried to talk about that in the book a little bit and and describe what that might look like in that I have found effective in my experience fantastic so so playful mathematics is the title but I understand so I was, I was reading an article that you'd written and you, you mentioned in it that actually that wasn't the first, your first choice of title, Helen. So tell us about your first choice of title. Well, when they when the publisher phoned me, it was a middle of lockdown. So she got me just right. She found me on Twitter, I think. And I said, no, I don't want to write a book. And I've, I've, you know, and I, said, I don't really like publishers. I've had a lot of bad experiences. And I was sort of very dismissive. And she kept going. I mean, bless her. Um, and I said, right, well, I'll only write a book if it's exactly what I want to write. And uh, somebody had said to me, go on, Helen, you've got the time, do it. And I actually, that was a perfect time to do it, sitting in the sun with my laptop, lovely. And it just it poured out of me quite quickly. And um, and I wanted to call it um, uh, roller skating, something to do with roller skating, because the, the quote that I have, I use a lot actually when I'm I'm gonna have to turn to it so that I get it absolutely right actually um the quote that I use quite a lot when I'm running courses and things is mathematics could be like roller skating but usually it's like being told to stop roller skating and come in and tidy your room and then he says after that this is not a superficial matter and that's Richard Winter writing in 1992 and I just love that quote and I wanted to call it this is roller skating mathematics is roller skating or as roller skating and she was like no we can't have that because people won't you know they think it's an <laughs> so they can't, can't have it um but I just love that quote because and people when I when I read it to people people just laugh because as you did yeah I think it's, it's a great <laughs> it's so quote. recognizable it's, um, it's a brilliant quote. yeah so I wanted to to I wanted to give the I wanted that title because I wanted to, it to feel a bit more like roller skating you know when you just let go yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I should mention as well, of course, the book is already very successful. It's an award-winning book, isn't it? You know, well, so, uh, yeah. yeah, that was lovely. And I and I yeah. am absolutely thrilled about that. That was all quite quick and exciting and surprising. So yeah. so that was amazing. Yeah. So Nursery World Professional Book of the Year. Um, yeah, playful mathematics, three to seven years of age. One which is yeah, fantastic achievement. Um, fantastic. You went to an award ceremony for it didn't you uh, right? yes I had, yeah. yeah I did yeah. I nearly didn't because I was supposed to be on holiday and I uh, had to move my flights um twice because I made a mistake um um yeah it was I was I wouldn't have missed that I shall never forget it it was fantastic and yeah it's so lovely to have maths mathematics recognized by nursery world um and the two of two of us had maths books in that final uh final um uh, uh, Di Chilver's book was up there as well as and, and that is just lovely because I know I know that maths is not the most popular subject and it's been fascinating you know it is fa- it's been fascinating all those years hearing people's stories about maths not always wonderful stories um but yeah it, so to have it there in as a nursery world award winner is 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 really mm. lovely Mm. yeah oh absolutely yeah definitely a proud moment without a doubt without a doubt I meant to say as well um it's great that we've got you on the podcast because in I think probably in terms of the other podcast interviews that I've done you've you've been mentioned more than anybody else in in all of the other interviews that I've done absolutely yeah so so Esther O'Connor I talked to Esther over over in Brussels she mentioned your work. Um, I talked. I've talked to Maven Jasmine. Who oh wrote. yes, yeah. um, They mentioned your work. Um, I, I've also. I know. I don't know whether you've met um, the the staff at Newcastle School for Girls. Um, no, I don't no, think no. So. so I've interviewed them, and they. I think they. Um, they hadn't met you. I don't think, but had read your book. And and when we talked about their practice, they wanted to talk about mathematics and what they'd done within their setting and how they developed it. They talked about your work, so so it's it's great that you're on the podcast because actually you've been mentioned so many times. You have. <laughs> oh, oh, that's amazing! Thank yeah, you. absolutely. So I I also wanted to ask you about a quote. Um, I found uh, an article that you'd written for the Association of Teachers of Mathematics, which is a great article, um, written I think about the same time that the book came out. And um, you talked about within it. I, I, I there was there was a particular quote that really well. A, a few that really jumped out, but one of them was this one. You'd said doing mathematics is part of being human. And I wondered whether you wouldn't mind explaining it, because I think that's a great quote. I think I can't credit myself with that. I mean, I I, I know I've said it, but I that was um so one of the founders of the Association of Teachers of Mathematics was Caleb Gatelio, and he he's um, that was his belief that, bit, that doing mathematics is a, is, a, is fundamentally a human process. And the if you look on the Association of T- Teachers of Mathematics website under our guiding principles, there it talks about it's a, it's a human functioning. And when I when I um, first came across that, I was like, I don't really understand that. You know, I don't. What does that mean? It felt because for me, I think it's always been something out there that's had to go somehow in here. And that was my experience at school. But um, when you experience mathematics playfully, when you explore it within a safe space where people aren't going to make fun of you or 
or, or get irritated because you're a bit slow or you're doing something a little bit differently and you don't mind saying, I don't, what are you doing? I don't understand that. You know, why are you doing that? When you're allowed to have that conversation about, about what you're doing, um, you are, you are, be, that is part of you that's doing that. We are doing that. Um, it's something we do. It's not something, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't exist out there to be put in here. We are doing it created by humans um of course there are there are formalizations of it in terms of its of communication uh, uh, the way we communicate mathematics in terms of algebra or whatever it is that that um we have if you're going to communicate on that level you have to learn that language but it is perfectly possible to function mathematically without having that language i mean you've only got to look at all the different societies in the world that have counting systems and, and pattern ways of making patterns, who 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 might who haven't done our formal algebra or geometric work that we might be doing in the, in the in some of the Western sort of countries. So that's what I mean. I think is that it, it is something that we do as human beings. And um, so one of the um, things I've been talking about for the last two years, along with our, the early childhood mathematics group, who I have to give a shout out for without our website. Um, we've been looking at spatial reasoning and how, how important that is to develop that with very young children, how important that is in terms of them developing mathematically and how predictive it is of later wider mathematical achievement. And part one of the slides that I have talks about, you know, you use spatial reasoning every day and there's a pic, there's pictures of it. And on these pictures, you've got fitting things in spaces, um, you know, packing things away, visualizing, you know, looking at a map, trying to work out how to put a piece of furniture together, or, or you know, working out if you've got enough room in that container for all of that flour, whatever it is. All of those things that we work, we we use those things all the time. Um, so I think I'm thinking that on that's kind of what I'm. And that's a long answer. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I, I think the. Badly. No, that's, no, it's absolutely spot on, though. It's that meaningful nature of it, isn't it? That it's part of what we do. It's part of it's part of our lives. It's meaningful, isn't it? And I, th I think something breaks down when we don't see the learning as meaningful. So if we don't see that, if there's no point to it, I think probably everybody and everybody listening to this will probably can think of some time in their time at school themselves when they thought well, why why am I learning this what how is the, how could this possibly be useful to me and as soon as you think that the motivation's gone you see that, the, that, yes that's an interesting the opposite is the case isn't it whereas if you see it as there's a reason for this I need to know this because you know this is useful then then it becomes part of what you what you know what you do what you see as being meaningful it's and 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 I and I guess being mathematics as being part of part of us is part is part of that really. I, I guess that's slightly different, isn't it? But well, I, I, yes, I think so. I mean, I think the useful argument is an interesting one. I I have a problem with that because I don't think things always have to be useful. And of course, it's often math is often quoted as what is the point of me doing this algebra because I'll never or knowing a circle theorem because I'll never use it again. It, it, it's not just about it being useful it, it's about so something that's meaningful is also something that is important to us so I, I've got um, 
So um, there is uh, a lovely, uh, there was a lovely organisation in the Netherlands called the Realistic Realistic Mathematics, uh, which makes you think, oh, that sounds like beautiful mathematics. But in fact, real translates, as far as I understand it, from the from the Flemish or the Dutch, it, it translates as real to the child. It's real to them. I think it's it is about when it's about when am I ever going to use this again? It, it's also not only that it that the, the content of it. It's it's something about the approach, isn't it? That you're not you're not engaging with that. Um, so I, I've got and I've got you know I've got a really good friend who is the most amazing patchworker, and she will not accept that she's any good at maths. Now you you just look at what she creates, and I you know we've looked at it together, and we've. I've, I've actually have run a session with children with her bringing her quilts and talking about them mathematically, or I've talked, don't you? I've done, you know, the children, the children have got the maths out. They can see the fractions. They can see the work that goes into it. And we tried recreating it with some stuff with paper. But um, so I think it's about involvement as well as, 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 as yeah. It's a, I suppose it's a, it, it, yeah. I, and maybe it's a kind of oversimplifying it to say, well, you've got to be, You've got to see the use of it in order to be able to do it because it's about engagement involvement interest it's about about all sorts of things i guess isn't it yeah interesting stuff um then finally i was going to ask you about um in terms of in terms of the book itself within the within the book what i what i love about it is that you you bring the teaching of mathematics to life with your engagement with so many other settings and you know there are real life accounts of what's happened there in in all in a a range of different classrooms and I I was going to ask you about that you know is that something that you set out to do was that something that that kind of evolved over time so I I know you worked with you worked with Esther I think uh, that we mentioned just before Esther O'Connor I think you've worked with Maeve and Jasmine as well uh, at Oakwood is that something you, that, that you set out to do? Was it something that evolved? How, how did that work? Yeah, that is a really interesting question, actually. And I, um, I am forever grateful to Esther Maeve and her colleague Jasmine as well. And also the other people that were heavily involved with Simon Gregg, um, who works at the school in Toulouse, and Julie Hurley also. Um, and what happened was I have I, I have always kept, diaries no no don't think of those as tidy things Andy because it's often on the back of an envelope where somebody a child has said something and I've just thought oh god that's amazing and I've just written it down and sometimes with some detail quite a lot of detail because when I did my master's um with John Mason he had me keeping a diary about some of the events in my past so I so I that was a more that was more like I had to do that. I obviously kept notes, loads and loads of notes during my PhD, but I have actually kept quite a lot of things. So when I started writing it, I I got this lot out, uh, all the envelopes and the bits of paper and the, and the proper diaries, and thought I could use these. I, I can use these to uh, bring this to life, you know, really. And I've also got loads of photographs, but I couldn't use most of them photographs because I, the children are too old. There's no way I was going to trace them. The, gov- the publishers were insisting on getting written permission from the families of all the children in all the shots. That's like, right. So I do, I, I do, by that time, I, I'd managed to get myself full colour. She wasn't very, you know, they weren't happy, but I said, I'm not doing it unless it's full colour. So yeah, now I need some more photographs. So, um, and I have been, oh, no, interacting with Esther and um, Simon and Maeve on Twitter and I and Julie and I approached them and said okay so I've got any what if I send you the description of the 
event that took place in whatever year that was. Sometimes it was a long time ago. And I and it, I said, if I sent you that, what how it's going to appear in the book, would that be enough for you to sort of run something, run it or run something and take a load of photographs and would you be able to get permission? And, and anyway, that was the that was the sort of way around it. And I got loads of photographs and the photographs do bring it completely to life. And what was so lovely and what I didn't expect was that it added a whole other layer to the book because the photographs I got from, say, Maeve and from Esther were different. So that vignette, which they both read, that that case study, if you like, I, I think I call them, well, I call them vignettes in the books, just like a little picture of something. They had read it, but they had interpreted it suitable for their children, their setting at that moment. And that, for me, was really exciting because, you know, when you um, you read something, you think, I couldn't possibly, that wouldn't possibly be like that if I did it. But it, it was open enough for them to interpret it their own way. Um, I thought, OK, then this one will speak to other people. Other people could, I don't care how they do it. You know, it's, it's that's not the point. Um, so I got some luck. So that's how it worked. And it was, and what is so really funny is that I have never physically met Esther or Maeve or Jasmine or Julie. Simon Greg and I have met, but that was way before COVID. Um, but yeah, so, so the whole thing has been conducted through. We met on a Zoom call quite late on because uh, a lot of it was email and, and all sorts of And it was really exciting to have the Zoom call. And we probably need another one, but it's, it you know, it has it's been a very... Um, it's been a lovely relationship for me. Uh, it's, yeah. I mean, it's odd that we have it. I mean, we yeah, are yeah. all over the place as well, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It's a very, it's a very kind of of its time kind of thing, isn't it? That kind of not, not meeting people necessarily, but kind of meeting people online, on social media, on on Zoom or whatever else. Yeah, fantastic. How interesting. How interesting. And Helen, we'd better let you go because I know you, you're, you're busy, very busy and handing off to another thing now. Um, but thank you ever so much for, for joining us on the podcast. It's been really, really interesting to talk to you and to hear that kind of a, that perspective of how the book kind of came to life, really. And, you know, how you how you, you started to put that those your ideas and your experience onto paper and to, and to put it out there. Really, really interesting. And um, congratulations again on, on winning the award for the book. Absolutely fantastic and uh, if people who are listening if you haven't got the book it's definitely well highly highly recommended it's, it's absolutely brilliant in terms of really bringing these ideas around mathematics to life and will really support people whether they are whether you're new to to teaching within the early years and key stage one or whether actually you're a more experienced teacher or practitioner and and you really sort of are wanting to explore it in more depth really there's a lot of depth there as well so yeah fantastic Helen thank you very much for joining us take care Thank you very much, Andy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you a lot. And there you have it. Thank you very much to Helen for joining us on the podcast this week. And also to you people for listening along as well. Definitely lots to get us thinking there, I think, in our conversation. Okay, so yeah, that's it for this week. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.